it's time to dig a little deeper. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great to have you with us. I enjoy digging deeper. We do enjoy a little a little bit of a dig. We're going on an, an expedition today. You know, uh, you know, deeper really probably when we say we're digging deeper, it probably is pretty subjective. Like for some people, they probably think we're very <laughs> surface level and shallow. Well, well that's why, <laughs> look, here's a little bit of insider information for everyone. When we were deciding on the name of the podcast, we thought maybe dig deeper, but then we thought we, no, that, we're promising a lot there. <laughs> so we Thought we'll just promise just dig a little, a little dig. We're not going that far. That's good. Um, but that's exactly what we're doing today. And before we get there, big shout out. Thanks for listening, for sharing it wherever you do, um, for leaving positive reviews. We really do appreciate it. And we always love hearing good feedback from people. And it's always surprising sometimes you hear stuff from um, people you didn't even realize were listening. We're listening, there. And that's always encouraging mm. as well. And um, today we actually wanted to discuss something that was brought up by someone who was, was listening. Uh, shout out to Greg. Uh, uh, long time listener, yeah, and I think totally up to date on all the episodes. So. Apparently, I mean, and which was a surprise Gets- like when he when he said. Get another one going because uh, I'm running out of uh, things to listen to. Yeah, I believe it was on a Thursday night. He said, I've already listened to the one from today. I need more. Um, So good. But we're having a great discussion and he thought something that would be good to talk about, and and I totally agree, is um, the question of what do Christians do with unanswered prayer? Mm. And I think it's a really good question and it's potentially one you come to, um, especially once you've been on the journey of following Jesus for a while, and you kind of probably do have some things that you were praying for that you haven't yet seen answered. So the question is then, well, what do we do with that? Mm. Do do we shelve it? Do we keep praying for it? Is God not listening? Do I just keep pressing on? Am I believing that it's going to happen or do I, you know, is it a timing issue? Um, so I thought it'd be good to have a discussion around that. What do mm. we do with unanswered prayer. Yeah, well, I mean, this is something that'll be common in all of our experience if you're a person of faith, where, you know, what you were hoping for, believing for, praying for didn't seem to happen. Mm. Um, And often it doesn't happen the way that we think something will happen in our mind's eye, but that's still an answer to prayer. But it's it's the the quote unquote silence from heaven that's hard to deal with, I think. And As we start out into this, I mean, we we haven't I haven't researched this. Like we haven't I didn't go to the scripture and start looking at all the building a case for prayer or anything like this. This is just gonna come straight out of our own experience, our own journey with God. I guess for me, where I've landed and how I feel about what prayer is and the value of it. Etc. Mm. So this is not going to be really a theologically based one as much as a more experientially based. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, when we talk about unanswered, unanswered prayer, I think the first thing that comes to mind uh, for me is that faith really only exists in paradox. There's got to be a tension for faith. Um, if, if you know the answers or you already have the answers – that that's not faith. Mm. Uh, hope is something that we hope for is in the future. So, you know, um, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's like hope is a blueprint. So when you're talking about faith and even when you're talking about prayer, you're always talking about stuff you don't necessarily have unless your prayer. And I mean, we could go into different kinds of prayer, prayers of thanksgiving, etc. So, you know, if a, a prayer of thanksgiving is like, thank you, Lord, for what you've done in a sense. But really what we're majoring on here is probably petition prayer, that 
I'm requesting God, I'm, I'm seeking God, asking God for something, to do mm. something or to move in a particular way. And that's where the disappointment comes in. Yeah. Uh, or potentially can come in, depending on how you view prayer, which is a lot to do with how you view God and what you think he should be doing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it... Um I think it really does come back to too. Often it can feel a little bit like, "What am I doing wrong?" Like mm. if my prayer's not answered, um, did I pray the wrong way? Mm-hmm. You know, did I not have enough faith? Do I need more faith, or is it just you know a timing? Well, well that's a great thing. So you know, my first thought is, it's faith can only exist in a paradox. Mm. So if there's not this tension of I don't know why this is happening or I I don't have what I'm asking for. That's where faith lives. Faith lives in the unknown. Faith right. lives in that gap in between seeing a promise come to pass and, and not having it. Um, and, of course, some things we might never see come to pass, which is part of that that issue. But that that paradox of uh, I thought God would move sooner or do more or whatever, that's where faith lives and that's where your faith comes alive. So unanswered mm. prayer in that sense is not always detrimental mm. uh, to, to certainly to us and sometimes it's disappointing pointing because we might be believing, for example, for someone else's health or something like that. Um when you talk about faith and do I need more faith, do I need to keep praying until, all those questions, uh, I think we need to understand that faith in a sense builds in, in, in us. Like you have to grow your faith. And I've always believed in a sense of faith strides. You know, you take bigger strides. If you're maturing in your faith and you're growing, you, you tend to believe for bigger things. Yeah. You know, I, I think about my own like financial journey, just with believing God for provision, etc. First, in my own life personally, and you know, learning to tithe and seeing God be incredibly faithful, and then learning to sow into into the ploughed ground that my tithe had prepared. That kind of thinking uh, then grew into believing, you know, as a pastor believing in a very small church to to make ends meet and then to expand the building and to grow the church and see it filled with more people and mm. and have to take bigger risks financially um, right through to, you know, more recent years where those faith strides have been, you know, they've been massive compared to the early years. Right. Yeah. I think the first loan I took out for church to extend the church, it was like $40,000. Yeah. Um, and I said to the board at the time, because there was, the church was very small, I said to the board, my wife and I will pay this mortgage if if we can't, because one of the board members was like, oh, we shouldn't go into debt. And I was like, ah, we need places to sit people. And um and my wife and I, I was still working full time as I was pastoring. We could pay it. We'll pay our own house mortgage and we'll pay the church one too yeah. if we have to. Um, and we never had to do that. The church grew and it, it, was, it all worked right through to recent years where we've done several multi-million dollar projects and yeah. phases in the growth of the church. But I notice that my faith stride has grown. That's what I'm mm. saying. Just like a little boy yeah. growing into a man, you take your, your childlike faith steps, you end up hopefully striding through your adolescence and you probably have a few busters there like adolescents do. And then, you know, eventually as a man taking or as a, a mature 
believer, if I move it from, you know, the, the gender me specific thing to a, uh, to a believer's role is to continually increase our faith stride. Mm. You know, the scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews 1, 6. So, um, you grow your stride. And I think sometimes with unanswered prayer, you know, there's some things that are foisted upon us like health issues or crises. Um, and I think that there is a realm of faith that you can move in like a faith gift. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit for that. But often when it's just garden variety unanswered prayer, um, people get disappointed sometimes because they're, they're actually believing for things out of their faith stride. You know, they're, they're believing for a number 10 result when they've only ever believed for a number three result before that. Mm. And so I'd always encourage people, and that's why it's important to always move in faith. So whatever's coming your way, you know, if, if we talk about faith levels now, this is just totally made up on the spot. But let's just say, you know, absolute faith is 10 and, and unbelief is zero. Let's just look at it that way. It's so important as a believer as you're moving through life, if you encounter a faith challenge that's like a level three to trust God and believe God for something, it's really important to take it because it helps you with your faith stride. And then the next time you face a five level challenge, Hmm. you've sort of nearly got the stride. You can stretch and believe God for you know, an even bigger result or a bigger breakthrough. That's how I've always felt. Right. So I've got this faith stride. And I find that if I encounter something that I shrink back from, it tends to really stunt my faith for a while. Mm. You know, it's like there's God's only got one gear and it's forward. <laughs> yeah. You just got to keep going. And, um, and so it's important that we don't fix our eyes on things sometimes as much as faith is always fixing your eyes on the unknown and the future and, um, it's it's important to sort of recognise we've got a bit of a faith stride, mm. and to try and cooperate with the Holy Spirit and get in that faith stride, and then just learn to take bigger steps gradually, yeah. and and you tend to see less disappointment and less unanswered prayer mm. in one sense, um, and that's just us moving forward in life. That can be believing for provision um, for a life partner. So, for example, as a young person. Young people, you know, who if they're desperate to be in a relationship are tempted to spend time in relationships with people that are never going to be the relationship they really should have, that's going to benefit them long term, that they're going to be happy with. And what they tend to do is pick up bumps and bruises through that those tough experiences and waste a whole heap of time. Mm. I've seen other young people who've really set their heart to just believe in God for the right person, they don't. They might go out with one or two people, but they're not playing the dating game. Mm. They really are wanting to honour God with their relationship, and not always. It's no. There's no guarantees in any of this because there's a lot of human error involved. But often they're the people that you see that you know don't go through a dozen heartbreaks. Mm. They find someone who's great for them. They settle down and they build a wonderful life together. Mm. Um, but the, it's real faith to say no to the opportunities on the way. Yeah. When someone shows interest in you and you think, well, wouldn't it be nice to have mm. someone? And it's like, well, actually, there's a bit of a faith challenge there involved. If you want to please God and you really believe he's got something for your life, then be a little bit choosy. Mm. You know. And so that's the area of relationships. It's the same with um, 
It's the same with your finances and just, you know, well, I'm going to, that's why really we always encourage people start with tithing. Yeah. Just start with that simple 10%. Uh, it predates the the uh, Old Testament law. People often say, oh, it's just the law. No, no, no. It predates that with Abraham. Mm. So there's a principle of faith. It predates Abraham if you look at it with the tree in the garden. As mm. a matter of fact, it's probably where it starts. But, you know, there's all, always an element of what's offered to us that we should withhold from consuming. Mm. It's the same in relationships. There's elements that are offered to us that we could take it, but we shouldn't. Mm. We should just give it to God. So when a young person makes a quality decision and goes, you know what, they're a nice person and all, but I just know they're not the person that I would probably end up with. It's a quality decision to just go, no. Yeah. You know, so their faith strides. Yeah, back to your faith strides. I mean, I think the, the thought that comes to my head is, and I wonder if where people get a bit stuck is they're trying to take those faith strides, but it's like this one's not working. Mm-hmm. So maybe they had faith for that, faith for that. Mm-hmm. And I think especially around healing, because that's mm-hmm. a very obvious mm-hmm. one where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm either well or I'm not. Yep. You can't, you know, look at it a different way and be like, well, maybe I was healed. This yep. You know, and it's like, I'm, I haven't got that yet. And I'd love to have more faith, but if we're using the number system, I'm at yep. a four and it's not happening. How can I have more? And I, it just makes me wonder if sometimes like you're saying, there's faith, faith exists in this tension. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's those things that actually cause us to have faith. It's the unanswered prayers that actually, yeah. when we keep pushing past the unanswered prayer, mm-hmm. um, when we pray for someone and they don't get healed and then we pray for someone else and we've got the same faith that they'd be healed. That's actually maturing in faith yeah. as well. Not, yeah. not just I'll keep moving when stuff kind of happens but despite these prayers that i've been praying that don't seem to be answered yet mm-hmm. i'm going to choose to have fresh faith and not be disappointed by what hasn't happened mm-hmm. do you think that's part of maturing in your in your faith yeah well? Uh, uh, well you know if i could give a personal example on healing when i was a brand new christian um i had had major ear problems with ear infections and swimmer's ear uh since a grade uh, grade seven camp since I was 12 years of age and I got really bad infected ears swimming in a dam on a uh, school camp and uh, it was probably the issue was probably never addressed medically properly until I got to a specialist about five years later and by then I had a real problem. So literally I could not wash my hair and get a bit of water in my ears without getting a swimmer's ear infection and it was terrible and I lived with it for years. And, you know, when I first became a Christian and heard about divine healing, that's what I sought God for. And I went on altar calls and I prayed and whatnot. And I didn't have a big boom moment. It was like about, I I don't think, eight months after I became a Christian, I just realised I I hadn't had an earache for like months, a couple of months, and it was Mm. like... You know, and, and so I couldn't say there was a big boom moment, but I have got no doubt whatsoever that I was believing God, trusting God. I was having people pray for me, and somewhere in the middle of all that, God did that did something. Mm. Uh, and to this day, I have fairly normal, fairly normal ears. Yeah. But then, at the age of fifty-two, I have a heart attack, and I'd never had major health issues in my life. My ears were about it. It was about the worst thing mm. I'd ever faced. And then I, you know, did my trade. I, you know, I injured myself. I did different things. But really, no major health issues whatsoever, you know. And, um, and all of a sudden to be surprised by a heart attack at 52, which was 
partially stress, partially um, uh, hereditary kind of issues. Um, and that is a major paradox because it's like, God, why me? We just built this big facility. It had been a, a huge faith endeavour. And in the middle of that, you know, I'm, I'm on, in a hospital bed um, and I remember when I came out of hospital and, and we hadn't told the church because we didn't want to unsettle everyone and I was out of hospital two weeks. I'd been told I wouldn't work for six weeks and, and whatnot, but I said to the board, I have to preach. I have to let people know what's happened because now we know I'm okay. I'm doing okay, you know. Mm. And so I, I remember I sat on a stool and, I mean, I was as weak as a kitten uh, two weeks after having four stents put in my heart. So um, I sat on a stool and I told the church the story and um, I actually preached a message on faith and it was a message, it was something like faith when you don't get the miracle. Mm. And what God had shown me and taught me through my ordeal and all my asking why me, and feeling feeling foolish that this had happened to me as a as a fairly young man, all of those questions, but having faith in the moment, and one of the one of the big elements for me was it was like wow, faith works because when I really don't know whether I'm going to be okay, and when they're saying I've got a big serious issue, and all the stuff that went on in the early few hours of that all unfolding, um. I was actually okay to go home. I didn't want to, but I mean, you know, to, to be with the Lord, to pass away. Mm. I had to face that reality and um, the fact is my faith was there. It wasn't just there in a miracle. It was, it was there on my worst day. I was sitting back in that hospital bed with, you know what, I wish I could see all you kids more. I certainly want to see my grandkids. I've got a lot more to do in life. Like I'm not ready to go in that sense. Um, I'm going to miss everyone and, you know, whatever. But ultimately I thought, but I'm okay with this. I don't actually have a fear of dying. Hmm. I mean, I don't want to die. You'd be crazy to want to die, but I don't have a fear of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and I preached on that. I preached on, you know, faith without sort of the divine intervention. Mm, yeah. Um, and so faith exists in in pain. Maybe, think about it. We don't grow much, I don't think, as spiritually as people in good times. We tend to just sort of rejoice on our way through them. And for, for a lot of people, I think it's easy to forget God in good times. Mm. It's tough times where your faith comes alive. And I don't think God brings tough times to us. I just think life does that. Right. You just hang around long enough, tough times will come for all of us. And that's where faith really does come alive and bridge the gap. And that's where faith can be seen. Mm. Um, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is not the substance of things received. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they cool. might be evidence that you've had faith. But one thing I've know, know about faith and believing God for stuff too is that the moment you've seen the miracle, it's old news. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you, you need to be believing for something else. Yeah. So, I mean, would you say that, say you're not seeing answered prayer, is it a lack of faith, do you think? 
You know, I, I think that's one of the great tensions and where we've talked on this program about not being dogmatic mm. and not putting God in a box. And I think this whole realm of prayer is one that I've often seen God put in a box. So, for example, you've got, you know, old people who are wonderful preachers and teachers. I think E.M. Bounds, he wrote a, a number of books on prayer many years ago. Um, other great men of prayer that said things like God does nothing except in answer to believing prayer. I'm just not sure what the, where that quote's from, but I, I know the quote. Um, and and yet I, I don't know whether I agree with that anymore. Once upon a time, I'm like, yeah, and so we need to pray. And, yeah, you know, yeah. And, um, and yes, I think we need to pray, but I think we need to pray for different reasons now. Um, you know, for me, I've just seen, and you see in Scripture everywhere, God taking the initiative, mm. not in answer to prayer. Sometimes it is. The people cry out and God intervenes or whatever, but sometimes God just moves you, you know what I yeah. mean? It's just God starts doing things yeah. um, from the start, you know, speaks to Noah, mm. better build a boat, mate. And so, you know, it, it, it's. I, I think we can get too narrow with prayer and we can become way too formularized yeah. with prayer if I could just pray the right things. And we, we cherry pick scriptures, which we're pretty good at doing. So, you know, James, um, James says the effective fervent prayer of man in right standing with God avails much. J.B. Phillips translation, I think, from memory. It's something like that. And um, so the effective fervent prayer. So we've got to pray the right stuff and we've got to pray it hot. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of what he's saying. And whole books, whole curriculums have been built around mm. that kind of thinking of we'd better get it right and we'd better be passionate. And I, I love being passionate in prayer. And I think generally it's tough circumstances that make you that way. Mm. Um, but ultimately I'm not sure that that's, that's what prayer's for because it too quickly becomes bending the, twisting the arm of God yeah. to get him to do what we want. And if we're not careful, we start to treat God like the genie in the bottle. Right. If I rub it the right way, I'm going to see something amazing. Um, I think, again, unanswered prayer is a paradox in our faith journey. It keeps tension on our faith journey. The person who has been disappointed yet continues to believe yeah. is the person of faith. Not necessarily the person who sees whiz-bang things every time yeah. or they claim to see whiz-bang things every time yeah. they, they say. So I, I have seen God move mm. powerfully. I've seen God move above and beyond my expectations mm. and above and beyond the expectations of my own prayers. And I've also been desperately disappointed that God has not done what I thought he should do. Yeah. Uh, I think that's important too because I think just because we can't, maybe we don't see God moving in the way we want him to doesn't mean he's not. And moving, I, maybe yeah. that's how I have thought about it a bit. It's like, you know, you pray for something and if it doesn't happen relatively quickly, my, my, my thinking kind of goes to maybe God's trying to do something else here. Mm. You know, maybe, maybe I'm missing the miracle that he's actually trying to work or maybe like, you know, it's like almost like maybe he's getting there, but he's, there's some other things that he's trying to do yeah. first. Again, like if, if he just saved us from every tough circumstance we're in instantly, we would never grow. We mm. would never, you know, and again, not that he's giving us that stuff necessarily, but if it's like, if he just gave us a get out of jail free card every time we faced a, 
you know, a challenge. Yeah. We yeah. would never grow character. We would never grow into um, the people I think he's calling us to be. And I think sometimes maybe um, if I could say like uh, maybe a mistake, and I'd say I've made it as well, is we get f- so focused on seeing one thing that you miss everything else that God's trying to do, yeah. you know, and you're j- only praying for that. And I think the classic example is the single person praying for a relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all, their whole life is just completely focused on getting in a relationship mm-hmm. um, rather than their whole life being focused on pursuing Jesus mm-hmm. um, and believing for that, of course, but mm-hmm. recognizing that God's working, that right now they're in God's plan. Right mm-hmm. now God's moving in their life. Mm-hmm. Um not just like, oh, God's not moving yet until he answers this specific prayer that I have for. I think sometimes I've seen people get so pigeonholed believing for one thing that they, you know, miss everything else. Yeah. And maybe the people I see the prayer answered, answered them in quotation, answered the most for is it's often people who aren't like they're pursuing God anyway. They're not just pursuing that one thing. Of course, they're believing for that. Of course, when yeah. the preacher says, come forward, if you want prayer for this, they come forward and they get prayer for that. But they're all, they're already pursuing Jesus. They're not just pursuing an answered prayer. Yeah. And look, I I think this brings us to one of the other things that our friend mentioned, you know, is prayer for us or is it for God? Mm. You know, but just before we go there, um, if you bookmark that, let's come back to it because I just had a thought I think that often our disappointments, and there's some desperate disappointments in life, mm. uh, and things that I don't understand, and things I've I've not just questioned God about, but shaken my fist at heaven over, um, whether it's been an injustice or the you know the death of a child or something like that, where it's just like God, I do not understand. If I was you. I wouldn't do it this way. Mm. And, and you know, far from that being faithless, that's actually engaging God on an honest and high level. Mm. And I think that God prefers, God would prefer, I know I would as a father, I would prefer honest, engaged conversation with my kids rather than them saying what they think I want to hear. Right. Um, because you can't develop relationship without it, which is starting to border on where we want to go. Is prayer for God mm. or is it for us? Um, but before we get there, I think it's because we fail to sometimes comprehend or bring into our thinking this broader overarching principle in Scripture where the, the life of man is a vapour. So even if we live to be a 100 you know, from the divine viewpoint, it's a breath, mm. it's a wisp, it's a vapor. And whenever you look at one life against the whole of history, even the biggest lives, they're there, we, they're there for a moment. Yeah. Alexander the Great changed the course of history in so many ways. And we don't talk about him very often unless we're having a history lesson mm. because he was a blip. He lived for 30, 34 years, 35 years, so he only died, he died a very young man. But if he, even if he'd lived to 70, we wouldn't be saying any more about him. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yet often we feel like and we act like, I think, we really, even though we say we believe in eternity, that, that life will go on, even if it's not in the form that we currently know it, 
We say we believe it. We claim that that is our premise for faith in Christ, for, you know, all of that. Mm. And yet we actually don't really believe it when we act like everything that's precious to us is now. exists within time and space now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And mm. so, uh, for example, you know, coming back to I think one of the most difficult human traumas to face, which is the loss of a child, um, whether you, again, whether you live two days or you could live 200 years, it is a breath. Mm. It is here and then it is gone and everything moves on mm. without you. We are very, very temporal and yet we get caught in this bubble, I think because we're sold it continuously, that everything that's important must be and can be experienced now. Mm. And I think as people of faith, we actually need to believe that's not true. Mm. Yeah. That the best to be experienced, we haven't even seen yet. Right. But through our union with Christ, we get glimpses. Mm. We have a sense. It's revealed to us by the Spirit. Mm. And, and people have ecstatic moments. It might be in worship. It might be in a time of prayer where you just get a sense of this is all bigger and this is going somewhere and God is above and, and beyond this and on top of this and in this and through this. And wow, I just, you know, yeah. you know, if you're a person of prayer and a person of faith who really pursues God, you will have had moments like that where you do get the revelation. Yeah, this this world and this life mm. is is a veil. Mm. It's actually stopping me really seeing the real thing behind it that one day I will experience. And that tempers our disappointment. Mm. It can, and not in a fake way. If you authentically believe there's more, yeah, then that tempers the disappointment of things like unanswered prayer and it's helped me be able to put it in the one day I'm going to ask God about that box. Yeah, yeah. But I don't need to know now because my faith doesn't actually need to know. Even when I say, God, if I was you, I wouldn't do it that way. God, yeah. if I was you, I'd heal that person. God, if I was you, I'd make this happen. Mm. Um, but understanding the or trying to enter into the bigger story and, and comprehend it somehow by the Spirit you know, because Scripture says it hasn't entered into the heart or mind of man what God has prepared for them, mm. but he has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Yeah. And I think we just get these glimpses of the something more. And when I live in the something more realm, mm. the disappointments of this life, even when it's what other people do to me or whatever, whatever those disappointments are, become more livable and I can live with the tension of faith. Can you t can you speak to that tension then? And then we'll get back to that other question, but mm. of you know, of just saying what will be will be mm -hmm. and then actually really praying for a miracle. Yeah. Because I guess there's a tension there where it's, do is it even worth praying? Is yeah. it worth believing yeah. for a miracle? If it's just going to all, you know... Yeah. Can you see the tension I'm trying to get yeah, out there? Where I, well, I'll just wait for heaven and it'll be all good then. Is it all pointless? Yeah. yeah. And, and which some people have got hevel, to in their theology. Hevel, which is uh, the Ecclesiastes way. Yeah. Hevel is like a, a vapor or a dust. It's an enigma. Yeah. Um, and the writer of Ecclesiastes says that that's what life's like. It's, yeah. it's something that looks solid. And as you grasp for it, 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 it turns out it's smoke. It, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, people have arrived in their theology at that. Like it's no point 
asking, believing, whatever, because we come from a Pentecostal perspective, which is really, really strongly at the other end of the scale. Mm. And I think at times has been potentially, you know, a little bit too far at the other end of the scale. Um, you know, we are trusting and believing. And the fact is we see God do stuff. We get praise reports in through all the time yeah. of God opening doors, miraculous healing, whatever it is. Um, and I do think there's some individuals that are super gifted to believe God for stuff. Mm. Um, you know, and, and you get people that are super gifted with with the healing gift, for example. Yeah, people who are, you know, really prophetic more than the usual. Um, but I think we should all be believers. Yeah. The bottom line is a believer believes for things. Yeah. He believes in someone and he believes for stuff. Mm. We believe the best. That's love. Yeah. We hope, you know. And so I do think our faith needs to be active. Without, without pursuing and seeking God, and his active work in our lives, whatever that looks like, um, then I just, I just, I'm not sure we're being pleasing mm. because it's faith that pleases God. Yeah. And faith, you know, James says, show me your faith by your works. Faith is very much a doing word. Mm. So not just believing for stuff, but, you know, your faith activating you to be active in the world, sharing Christ, praying for the sick, praying and believing yeah. with people and standing with people through tough times and bringing comfort and, you know, let your faith have an expression. And without doubt, prayer is part of that. Yeah. You know, um, James teaches us, again, going back to that phrase, the, the effect of fervent prayer of a man in right standing with God or a righteous man avails much or, or, or causes much to happen. And then he gives the example of Eli uh, Elijah, you know, who uh, who prays and the, the place goes into drought and then he prays and the place comes into into great season. And the, the whole concept, you know, if you, you can step back and look at conceptually what's going on in that passage is James is literally saying he changed the landscape with his prayer. Hmm. The landscape of his world was different because of his prayer. Yeah. And man, and James is exhorting us to pray that way. So should we be believing for things? Absolutely. Yeah. That's part of being a vibrant, active, faith-filled Christian who's walking with the living God. Yeah. Not just talking, you know, to a statue or to a concept or to a black book called the Bible, you know, whatever. You, mm. it, this is someone walking with God. Yeah. And and I, I don't know, I've never failed to sense that God hasn't wanted me to trust him and believe him for stuff. Yeah. And I think that's important. It's the, it's, that's the tension, right, is not just to be praying for one thing and be obsessed with again rubbing the, you know the the, the bottle of the genie to try and get <laughs> our answer. To, but but to be, um, is it Paul in praying about all things? Yeah, it, like yeah. always be praying. And yeah. I think that's where the power of it is. Like it's funny how sometimes I still find myself surprised that God <laughs> listened to my prayer. Yeah. You know, what I mean? yeah. like, oh, yeah. I prayed about that. I remember recently praying this for an opportunity to talk to a friend about. Jesus, as I was going to meet with them, and I just kind of was praying, God, I pray that, you know, you'd come up somewhere and we'd had a big 
you know, conversation about all kinds of things, nothing to do with anything. And then all of a sudden, just out of the blue, he goes, so tell me about what you do at church. And it was like, oh, like I was taken off yeah, guard. Yeah, yeah. And then afterwards it was like, where did that come from? I'm like, oh, that's right. I was, I was praying, praying for, for that. Yeah, so yeah. I should keep praying for it kind of thing. <laughs> so I think that's the tension though of not getting so distracted and disappointed yeah. by what we don't see happen that it yeah. stops us moving in our journey of faith. Well, what, what can happen and, and this isn't always, but I think the major percentage, you know, again, that's very, this is very anecdotal. It's very, you know, unsubstantiated. But I'm willing to, I'd be willing to bet that when we go down the rabbit hole of disappointment, it's generally about us. Mm. You know, for some people it is about what they've seen and injustice or whatever and they just can't overcome it. But most of the time, you know, we feel we've missed out. We feel we've been overlooked. We feel something hasn't happened that should have happened um, or something terrible happened that shouldn't have happened, whatever. Um, and I'm not saying they aren't real pains and I'm not saying people don't have grief. But once again, I think prayer is actually the answer in yeah, that yeah. and going to God and saying, God, I don't understand. And if you have to, shake your fist at heaven. I found God incredibly gracious. Yeah. You know, I've always thought I've, I've loved that passage in Isaiah and it says um, where God says, come, let us reason together. Even mm. though your sins are as red as, as scarlet, they shall be whiter, whiter than wool. And I'm like, you know, if God is willing to, you know, discuss with someone desperately lost in their sin and brokenness and he's like, hey, come on, why don't we talk about it because I can fix this up, then I, I think God is robust enough yeah. for us to, you know, to ask him the hard questions and and to genuinely question. And I think maybe sometimes people who lose faith are people who've been taught they shouldn't question God, which I think is just the extreme opposite mm. of what I see in Scripture. You see major portions of Scripture are people questioning God. Yeah. So back to that question before, looping back, is prayer for us or for, it, for God? Yeah. I, I think it's a good question because maybe getting it wrong, well, on one end you've got, one end you've got, uh, yeah, God can't do anything without my prayer um, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I guess at the other end you've got, um, it's just about reminding me, it's just about increase. And as I remember, it increases my faith and then my faith unlocks the miracle. Mm. It's all about uh, my faith is getting everything done. Yeah, I don't yeah. have enough faith or I do have enough yeah, faith. Yeah. Well, so what do you think? Is, is, is prayer for God or is it for us? Well, I mean, I can see elements of both, to tell you the truth. Um, I think, you know, when I think about prayer for me, what does prayer do for me? Again, just coming from my own personal experience, because it's the only one I can really share, but I find prayer incredibly, uh, an incredible centering exercise, if you, if you want to talk about that. Psychologists talk about grounding exercises, you know, like people who, for example, are suffering anxiety and, and a psychologist will get you to, uh, you know, touch something and feel the texture of it and then to take focus on an object in the room and, and then to listen for sound. And what it is doing, it's, it's taking people out of their little mind, of you know, their mind sort of focused in intensely on their fears and make them aware of the bigger environment that they're in, even mm. if it's in a room. And it's an amazing how that brings people out of their 
out yeah. of their shell a bit and sort of reassures them a bit. And I think for me, prayer has always had that place, not intentionally. It's just something that later in life I've recognized like, man, you know, like now prayer to me is therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. It's like if I'm sort of find myself down my own little rabbit hole in my mind and my self-talk is running through all my concerns mm. and all my fears and what should be happening that's not happening or what's not going to happen and, you know, budgets and staff or whatever, all the stuff of life, um, I just, if I go in a room and pray. yeah. It, it only needs to be a few minutes. Lord, I just, just want to come to you and just lay this down. I just, I can't carry this anymore. Jesus, I've got so many things running around in mm. my mind. Lord, I just want to roll it off on you. Yeah. You know, 1 Peter 5, 7, I think it is, says, cast your cares on him for he cares for mm. you. I'm just going to roll this off on you, Lord, and... And I just am going to trust you with it. I recognize I've picked this up in my mind and I feel like I'm the only answer to all these issues, but I recognize you're my source. And so I commit them to you and I just roll it off on you and I just bless you and I thank you. I trust that you're at work. And Mm. I walk out of that room after even five or 10 minutes like that and even though nothing has physically changed in my world or in someone's attitude or in whatever, the bank balance or whatever it might be, um, I've changed. Yeah. It's actually changed me. Prayer changes me first. I think it's the the great refocusing of like when problems seem so big and then Mm -hmm. it refocuses you that God's actually bigger than than all my problems. Yeah. Um, me, me and Jesus is a majority. Yeah, yeah. But you generally only see it in prayer. Yeah. And um, and, and it so, definitely incre- I think so it does increase your us. faith. Yeah. yeah. It's for us. And then, you know, I guess God obviously wants to hear our prayer as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I think there's more with us. I, I think it's about becoming aware. Like when I pray, I become far more self-aware. Mm. So, for example, um, recently... I had an upsetting situation with, with some people who got things escalated and they lost their cool and said some things that were pretty terrible, pretty awful. I uh, weren't church people actually, and um, and I sort of just swallowed it and didn't want to escalate it and sort of you know just tried to extract myself from the situation as well as I could. And then I went away from it and I was really stung by some stuff that was thrown at me and said to me. And, um, you know, my, I, as I prayed about it, like at first I went and whinged to my wife and then um, I meditated on it, stewed on it, thought about all the things I wish I had said and mm. what I could now do uh, to retaliate, went through all the vengeful thinking and all the, the whole, I, I, I rode the pony of the myth of redemptive yeah, violence yeah. very, very well. Yeah. Um, and then I went to prayer. And as I prayed, I, th- I saw things that I could have done better. Mm. Maybe I could have approached that better and got a better result. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, this isn't about you. Mm. This, is about, this is about them. The, the issue is actually theirs. It's, it's not mine. It's not something that I brought to the table. Um, you know, and, and I just became more self-aware and was yeah. able to just lay it down. I actually wrote these people a nice letter, a very gracious bridge-building letter of, you know, I'm sorry that you seem so concerned by some of the things that I approached you about. 
Um, that was not my intent. Um, and I hope that we can, you know, build the bridge and continue our relationship. Um, and whether they do will be entirely up to them, mm. you know. So, but it was actually just in prayer that took me out of that rabbit hole of I'm stung and I need to retaliate or at least in my own self-talk, mm. you know, being blind to any issue that I might have brought mm. to that table, all those kind of things. So prayer is for us, very yeah. much for us, because God changes us first through prayer. And, of course, for us, you can, you just can't ever get away from the fact that for me, well, anyway, this is just me. It's just a strong core conviction of mine, so it could be argued with. But I just believe prayer is about relationship. First and foremost, it's not about getting stuff. It's not about getting God to do things. It's not mm. about shifting the mighty hand of God primarily, although all those things could be part of it or a result of it. The primary reason is relationship. Mm. And I want to be in relationship with God. I, I don't want the genie in the bottle mm. that's there to do my bidding. I don't want that. I want a God who understands me, who listens to me, and who will speak to me. Mm. That's yeah. who I walk with. That's the relationship I've developed with my God. Mm. And that is first and foremost what prayer's about. And now sometimes, as like children who've been hurt, we just come running to Dad and and it's all about the injury and it's all about what we need him to do to make us feel better or Mum, you know, that typical running for parental uh, comfort. Mm. But ultimately, this is all about relationship. We yeah. have a great relationship with our parents because they did look after us. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think I just don't see God outside of that frame. That's how Jesus framed him. Mm. You know, whether that works in our society or not anymore, that's how Jesus framed him, as a loving father who would be there for you, who would restore you, who would pick you up when you were broken. Mm. That's how Jesus framed our God. And that's who I've certainly, you know, discovered him to be through prayer. Then you can move to the God element. Mm. Um, which I think, you know, it, it has got numbers of different elements. Um, I do think God needs to hear our faith. And mm. there's without a doubt God responds to faith. Yeah, Scripture teaches that everywhere. I don't know the intricacies of that. I don't know. That's where I can't get dogmatic. I mm. don't know how it works. I do know it does work. Yeah. That somehow God is willing to listen. Mm. And... Somewhere in his divine plan, often, I, I don't know whether it's this, I don't, how does prayer work? I don't know whether it's when our desires meet his, is where we see the most answered prayer. Mm. You know, Psalm, oh, I'm dragging stuff out of memory banks, I tell you, Psalm 34, verse 7, I'm pretty sure. 34 verse 7, I think. It says he will grant you the desires of your heart. And I've always read that two ways. I think that God does want to grant you the desires of your heart as in the things that you you desire, God wants to give them to you if they're not, you know, destructive or whatever. But I also think that that scripture saying God will put his desires in your heart. Mm. And, and I've found that's the fact. When I am focused on Christ and not on myself, 
I find that what God wants, I want. Yeah. I want it more. And I, I come to realize when I get incensed, for example, over an injustice, when I'm in prayer about that injustice, I realize that God is far more invested yeah. in seeing a reversal of injustice than what I am. Mm. Um, when I'm in prayer concerning compassion and things needing to change, needing to being able to meet a need, you know, needing to meet a need, I recognize, I realize, hang on a sec, God's far more invested in meeting this need and it gives me the faith to believe for stuff. Mm. You know, whether that's in a personal on a personal level or trusting for new ministries to open up through the church, for someone to have a heart that reaches that area that we've currently not got an effective outreach into or whatever it might be. As I go to prayer about those things, I realize, hang on, hang on a sec, God's already invested in this. Yeah. Hugely. Um and often, of course, in prayer is where God calls us. We become his instrument. Mm. So it is for God. You know, so like Isaiah, you know, who, who will you send? I couldn't see anyone, so I said, send me. And how many times that has become, you know, when we say yes, Lord, mm. to a call, we're actually answering our own prayers. When yeah. we're saying someone needs to do something about this and we're in prayer and we have this sense of, Maybe it's me. Mm. We're actually answering our own prayers at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? All yeah. God's doing is the affirmation. Yes, it is you. It mm. is you. That's why I, you, I brought this need to your attention. This is why I've moved your heart this way. This is why I created you this way with the, the way that you think, your unique personality that engages this issue. Um, and all of a sudden we realize, hang on a sec, this is God. And it's always been God. Even before I knew him, he'd planned this. Mm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, and so is prayer for us, is prayer for God? Both, because it's a relationship and relationships have got to be two-way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very good. Well, I mean, we've talked a lot around the question, I suppose, of what should Christians do with unanswered prayer? But I guess to summarize it, what do we do? I guess we, we do keep believing for mm-hmm. that prayer, but also we don't get too distracted by what we're praying about that we miss maybe the bigger thing that God's trying to do and we recognize that faith actually exists sometimes in that tension of not having prayers answered that unanswered prayers are an invitation to keep faith not um, an excuse to lose faith maybe very good I like I like that well let's leave it there G'day, Steve Kennedy here. Can you not agree with me that that was the most phenomenal thing you've ever heard in your life? Go ahead. I know you want to. Give it a five-star review. Now get on out there, have the best day of your life, and God bless.